Do you struggle to find answers to your pelvic health problems? Do you feel silenced in your quest to just feel better? Women, girls, sisters, if you have experienced infertility, PCOS, incontinence, painful periods, sexual trauma, and so much more associated with the pelvis, then Women's Pelvis Wellness is a place for you. Me and experts from around the world are joining here to get you the answers to the holistic health that you have been seeking. Please join us in being a pelvis wellness warrior. Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in again to Women's Pelvis Wellness. Today I have a really special guest, um, Dr. Raina White. And um, she is, she does so many things. She is an integrative women's health professional and a bunch of other things. So I'm going to allow her to um, just share what she does and um, sit back, take some notes and get, just get ready for this really informative, wonderful conversation. Thank you so much for being with me today. Well, good morning and thank you. I um, am glad to be here. Um, like you said, I am an integrative reproductive medicine and women's health professional. Um, because I, my specialty spans different mo treatment modalities from OB-GYN to um, reproductive endocrinology and infertility to licensed acupuncture and clinical herbalism. I find it very hard to pin myself into one box and into one role because again, we truly do have an integrated practice and um, it all is synergistically working together for the benefit of our patients. Um, our practice is the Evdemonia Center, um, and the Evdemonia Center is located in Columbia, Maryland. Evdemonia, even though it sounds like EV, it's spelled EU, and Evdemonia means human flourishing, and that is the aim and the goal, the mission and the vision for all of our patients and clients that once they cross the threshold of our practice, that they will have a dynamic experience, a dynamic encounter, and leave um, flourishing in a way that they were not before they had an appointment or an encounter with us. So yeah, thanks for explaining what you do and what that means. Um, I think that that's just so incredible that you can go to one facility and yes. get so many different kinds of healing. And I, that's my goal. Um, that's why I continue to diversify and try to connect with, you know, other people doing different modalities than I, yeah. because that's, I mean, that's when you're going to get the best healthcare for your patients and clients. Yeah. And I think like everything else, we are better together. And I think a lot of times in the healthcare system in general, pretty much creates this dynamic of um, traditional versus contemporary, uh, traditional versus contemporary medicine or Eastern versus Western. And there's literally no reason for that um, because when the synergy of the two come together, they're just, it's amazing what can be accomplished. And when there are limitations to both, uh, you wouldn't want your acupuncturist delivering your baby, but at the same time, your OB-GYN or your family practitioner may rarely talk to you about the emotional um, characteristics or the emotional components of your condition. And sometimes you need more space than the 15 or 18 appointment um, 
appointment to really elucidate what is going on and how you're feeling and how your emotions can be positively and or negatively affecting your condition. And I think a lot of times we just don't create space for those levels of conversation. And at our practice, we are all pretty adept at exploring emotions and also using those healthy emotions to help affect and motivate change. Wonderful. Yeah, I do. I agree so much that that is the emotion piece um, is always getting missed. And for me, so I combine visceral manipulation, energy healing, Mm -hmm. intuitive guidance, and essential oils into one healing session. Wow. That's when it comes to pelvic health. Yes. Yeah. And so, you know, what I am really so strongly trying to educate people on is the the energy piece that it is real, that it is completely linked to emotions is completely linked to, you know, the, um, to the pelvic health of you just in general. Mm-hmm. Um, and especially if you're struggling with something because yeah. emotions are kind of get, can get stuck energetically in the body. So yeah. as I'm working really deeply into the pelvic area, externally only, I don't do any internal work. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I'm disrupting all of those emotions and all of those energy fields. Yeah. So Bringing in that Reiki piece, I feel is so key because I'm helping them through this intense healing session. Um, But also you don't have to relive in order to release with Reiki, which I really love. Yes. And that's so true. We have a pelvic floor physical therapist on our team and it's amazing the work that she can do without having an internal exam. And I think a lot of um, misconceptions about pelvic floor physical therapy have been propagated in the media because of the negative experiences that people have had with their pelvic floor. When you look at gymnasts and when you look at other athletes who've had these pelvic floor ex- um, exams or pelvic health wellness exams, and there have been violated. And so there's a lot of negative information that is out there. And I think having the opportunity to know that you can have a pelvic floor exam and rehabilitation and physical therapy without there being an internal exam is so welcomed, especially for women who have experienced trauma, because sometimes that very basic thought of being penetrated even by a a digital exam can be we just reawaken that entire trauma and re have the uh, patient or person relive it and having that non-invasive calming aspect of therapy is um, so vital to the work that we are all doing. Right. Right. That's so key. And, you know, people ask me, you know, um, they always think even just general massage clients, they always feel like, if it hurts more, that means it, the muscles must need it. So they're just going to breathe through it or suck it up. Right. And I explained to them like, no, this is, this is going to be uncomfortable, but it shouldn't be painful. And you're the boss. So yeah. whatever, whatever is uncomfortable for you is uncomfortable for you. Yeah. So, and another thing that I always say to people, especially women, is that when you think about who touches your pelvic area, mm. 
and the intention behind that touch, how many times is it intended to be something just for you? Or is it intended to be something for someone else? Absolutely. You know, and that's, that's all my healing is all about them and all about just sending love into that area energetically. And really, you know, again, realizing that it's not just you go to your doctor, they don't know. So you just have to deal with it the rest of your life. Right. You know. And I, and when you, you touched on like that, the whole aspect of touch, I think sometimes even touch has been perverted to the point that we don't, as women sometimes even know how to own that space, that sacred area of our womb and not just be in a sexual nature, but even as our own maintenance of our womb, um, our vaginal health, that entire area is sacred in nature um, and that it brings life and it has the capability of bringing life. And that while that's not its only function, it is the, pretty much the center and the core um, and definitely related to our, our core being as women. And oftentimes we take it for granted and its connections and all the different channels and, and movement and blood and life-giving force that flow through that area. And so, like you mentioned before, when things get stuck, um, it could manifest as a headache. It can manifest as a backache. But meanwhile, our, our pelvis and things in that area in that region are crying out for help. Um, but they're manifesting in different areas. And so it's very important to keep that exploration open so that we can effectively address the pathologies and the conditions that may be resulting from a wounded womb. Right. Right. And again, it doesn't have to be a physical wound. You know, right. you don't, you don't ever have to have had a physical wound to have the energy of a sexual assault stuck in that yes. area. I mean, yeah. just a general unwanted touch, you know, mm. um, from anyone really. Absolutely. And one thing that I sometimes recognize when women come to me is that they kind of want, sometimes they kind of want a instant, um, like spiritual enlightenment, or they just want to be able to, tap into that, you know, tap into their intuition, tap into that intuitive guidance that they just know is right there at their fingertips. But I tell them, you have to do the pelvic work first, even just educating them about the chakra system and what those chakras represent and what the chakras in the pelvic and abdominal area represent Mm -hmm. and how they are connected to the upper half. And you, I mean, you're a human being, you cannot you cannot have all of these spiritual gifts and intuitive gifts be even open if you haven't done that pelvic work first. Absolutely. And I think a lot of times we try to isolate, oh, this is a physical condition or this is a mental health condition or this is a spiritual condition, but it's all a condition of the person of the being and trying to isolate them and keeping them in separate compartments is literally doing an injustice to the being because we're not separate. You cannot separate your eye from your nose and your nose from your toe. No, they're a part of you. They're a part of you as a human being. And while they might be separated geographically, they're all connected because they're all a part of you, the, the person, the being, the human, and taking those things into consideration, especially as women, because we have so many other aspects that are linked to that space, including hormones and blood, um, 
there's just a lot of different ways that it can be influenced and pH and just kind of taking all those things into consideration again, to address the overall health of that sacred space. Right. Absolutely. And I think too, that people don't necessarily think about the connection between, between all of the two and just melding them all together. Yeah. But really how something like just having really great at not adequate, more than adequate, really awesome nutrition and how just doing that alone and your and balancing your gut health, how -hmm. that can literally eliminate so many problems. Yeah. So then when you couple that with getting your energetic health, you know, it's like your heart and your gut health, Mm -hmm. the brain kind of takes care of itself once everything else is balanced. It's yeah. Serious. Well, I think uh, you touched on it. It's a lot of times um, we have a nutritionist on our uh, team as well, but um, a lot of times we look at the food that we're putting in our bodies as just a way to you know sustain ourselves in terms of living like we have to eat, just like we need to drink water, have fluids, but we don't necessarily think about what the food that we're putting into our bodies is doing unless it causes some type of allergic reaction or some type of symptom. And sometimes the foods that we eat, while they may be good for you, aren't necessarily good for you, the individual. And a lot of times we don't take that, take an individualistic approach to nutrition because we're looking at, oh, this is the new thing that everyone says I have to have, or this is the new food, or this is the new diet. And by diet, I don't mean um, the actual food that you're consuming, that content, but I'm talking about a diet, meaning like a fad or a restriction, something that is designed to, in some cases, withdraw the adequate nutrition and the minerals that one needs for survival and optimal health and wellness. A lot of times we look at different diets and they're just that they're for a time, but they're not designed to ever be a lifestyle change by removing large swaths of food categories from one's daily intake, daily dietary intake. So when I look at patients and they're saying, oh, they've tried every diet, That's exactly right, because it was never meant to be a lifestyle change and lifestyle changes are what lead to that sustainability and coupled with when you make that lifestyle change, you're not going to see the results like three days later, you're not going to make this lifestyle change. And after you've been having a practice way of being, whether it be through diet, exercise or any other aspect of your life. um, And then in three days, you're like, yep, everything has changed and I'm, I'm good now. Some people come into our office and they've, you know, either been on birth control or some other lifestyle component for 15, 20 years. And in a week, you know, you're not going to see that change because again, those practice ways of being, they, they have built up a residence in your body as well. And they're not trying to get kicked out anytime soon. They're like, we're, we're good here. This is our home now. Um, It's when you start making that, those lifestyle changes that aren't just meant to be for 21 days or whatever, you know, the dietary timeframe is, but no, this is how I'm going to carry myself from this point forth, henceforth and forevermore. And that's where true, true healing takes place. And I think a lot of times we're in a rush to just ameliorate or eliminate, (laughs) but we're not really focused on the actual healing component associated with health and wellness. Right. No, I agree. 
And a lot of people don't want to take the time. They want yeah. the quick fix. Yeah. And it, you know, it does take time to find out what, you know, what your body needs. Um, because I'm actually getting some blood testing for food sensitivities myself because, <clears throat> excuse me, I know that I'm allergic to shellfish because mm. I have an anaphylactic shock, right? Yeah. I have, I have that reaction. Right. There, there's, I have some other issues that are going on and, you know, the general Western medicine docs, they have no idea what could possibly be happening. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Excuse me. And as I'm talking to naturopaths and homeopaths and really well-educated personal trainers, cause it's a muscle thing. They all think and chiropractors, they all think that it is a food sensitivity. Yeah. And they said, you know, if you're consuming something daily or weekly, that is not necessarily triggering a reaction, yeah. but it is triggering your immune system. Then you're constantly on alert. You know, I mean, amygdala and cortisol and all of the things and what that does to your body over time. Yes. And so I just, when I present that though, to my general practitioner, they say, absolutely not. There's just no way that it could be, there could be a connection. Right. And my response is, well, if you don't know what it is, how can you say that it absolutely is not this? Absolutely. So I I just, I mean, I think it's just good to know in general, even if you don't have a specific issue. Well, we like to call that a long-term allergy um, in our practice. And that you mentioned that, oh, the moment you have shellfish, some type of response immediately occurs. So you can make a connection between shellfish and reaction I'm not going to do that. I have an allergy, but we don't always think about the long-term effects of some of the things that we do or the food that we eat because they don't necessarily have that immediate response. We're like, Oh, I'm not immediately breaking out in hives. Oh, I'm not immediately, my throat is swelling up or, Oh, my eyes are starting to get puffy or I immediately start to bloat or I immediately start to have a tummy ache or I vomited or I'm nauseous. Like those are immediate responses that we can connect. However, certain things, certain foods, especially in conjunction with other foods that are also not doing your body any good, any good, don't manifest until years later. And so years later, now that you have fibroids or now that you have endometriosis or now that you have um, some other condition that could be genetic and it could have a genetic basis, but you've been feeding that all the things that are actually like saying, yeah, this is exactly what I need to grow. This is what I need to thrive. Mm -hmm. And so 10 years later, when you get diagnosed with fibroids, are you going to attribute it to your diet? Absolutely not. Because you haven't had that immediate like Mm -hmm. sensation of, oh no, I'm having an allergy, but you've been literally feeding your body the thing that it doesn't need because of the genetic predisposition to or particular condition coupled with the, you know, the emotional um, toxins that you've been experiencing or haven't haven't been resolved or just the lack of movement and things of, and all these things fall together. They're just like our bodies. They're not in isolation. And I think um, those long-term allergies um, play a larger role in our health and wellness than any of us take, um, want to give it credit for, because there's really no way to say, oh, this, this collection of foods and this way that I've been eating over the course of the last 15 to 20 years is the reason why this is showing up now. 
Um, and a lot of times, again, like you mentioned before, is that, oh, it's the quick fix. Okay, I'm just going to have a surgery and I can remove it. But at the same time, you haven't changed the reason and the underlying factor that has enabled you to be that for this disease process or condition to manifest in the first place. Mm -hmm. And that's the one thing I think our practice really focuses on is getting underneath the symptom. The symptom is just that red flag that says, yeah, something, something's not right here. Something's wrong. And a lot of times we, especially women, we ignore that. Well, we can still go to work or we can still function or we can still do X, Y, and Z, but it's a red light warning for a reason that something needs to shift, something needs to change. And then when it becomes debilitating or um, absolutely impossible to ignore, that's when we seek help. And then when we seek help, it's a matter of, okay, now we need to make this expeditious decision that doesn't leave a lot of room for the time that is necessary to, again, address the underlying concern and the underlying condition. Right, right, definitely. That's why I think right now I'm really focusing on um, educating girls who are starting to go through puberty and into high school and their parents about their bodies and yeah. boys too, of course. Um, but really talking to them about things that they're not going to hear in their doctor's office, they're not going to get at school and they're not going to get at home because no one ever taught their parents. Absolutely. Um, you know, their parents don't know. I mean, even just, just like which products I should use, and how to properly use a tampon. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, so many people don't even know that. Um, so many people don't even know the anatomy um, in terms of the difference between the vagina and the urethra. Um, right. And like, you know, there, there are three openings that women have. And sometimes, and I'm not talking about the 15, my 15 year old patients, I'm talking about my 45 year old patients who have had children and don't know the difference and the roles and the, um, hygiene concerns associated with these openings. Um, and I think a lot of times education, I don't want to say that it has failed our young people, but it, there are definitely large gaps that between our old wives tales and things of that nature, where there started off with some, um, truth, but somewhere over the course of time, we've gotten away from them. And now it's, turned into, um, things to like, again, change the dynamics so that we're not necessarily even talking about the, the body parts, the anatomy and what their functions are. Because I think if you know more about the anatomy and the physiology, the function of those, um, body parts will better be able to understand where the imbalances and the, the conditions that are affecting us when, how, and when they occur. Right. Well, and there's also another huge aspect to this is that there are a lot of mothers who are wounded. There's, you know, they are wounded from molestation and from sexual assault, abuse of some nature. And because of that wound and because of them not healing that wound, it almost makes them incapable Mm -hmm. of sharing with their children, you know, any of this. And that's why, again, I always talk about the energy piece because- Um, you know, knowing that you're worthy to take care of, yes, you know, knowing that you deserve, you deserve perfect health. You deserve perfect happiness. Like knowing that and believing that and taking the action steps to bring that into your life. I mean, just to, just to do that, you have to work on that in that pelvic area energetically. Yeah. 
just and I just yeah that's that. where yeah. good <laughs> practitioners come into play so that we can help facilitate that right. awareness right. because I think you mentioned you hit the nail on the head that a lot of people don't even know that they're capable of affecting any change right and this is just my state or this is my station in life I'm always going to have a bad period I'm always going to have a painful period I'm always going to have heavy bleeding because this is just always the way it's been or my period's never been regular so what do you mean I it's supposed to be every 29 days, every 28 days. Uh, my period's never been regular or I've always had pain. I don't know what a pain-free menstrual cycle could, could potentially be like. Yeah. I don't know what heavy bleeding. I don't have to bleed like this. I don't have to miss days from work. I don't have to use my sick days or my vacation days for menstruation. Um, and just like, oh, clotting is not normal or painful sex. This isn't a part of it. I think some, this is what everyone has been told or especially in a health class or even by your own doctor, um, where, Oh, just take this and pick this pill and then you don't have to deal with the pain. That may be true, but there also may be come a point in time that you take the pill and the pill doesn't even work or you take that painkiller and the painkiller note is no longer effective. So what then do you just keep raising the dose or do you move to something that's even more aggressive to address the concern? And I think a lot of times if we could address that concern, like you mentioned, in that adolescence area or that place where we're like can really start to affect real change, we won't have women in their 20s and 30s and 40s experiencing these excruciating, you know, painful conditions or having fertility challenges that no one can seem to address, but they solve with some more birth control or another attempt to solve with another um, hormone or another painkiller or some synthetic version of pharmaceutical intervention or surgically as well. Um, And I think addressing that when our children are younger, when they are able to make some serious changes will be really, really effective in the long haul for all of our women. Right. Yes, absolutely. Because, you know, when, when, a woman is healed. She heals everyone in her space. Yes. You know, and, and not that men don't, but I feel like when men are healed, sometimes they, they're like, oh yeah, I'm healed. And, and they're living in their own healedness, which is amazing. And, and they're, mm-hmm. but they don't actively go out and find other men to heal. Right. You know, and women do that. Yes, absolutely. So, and when I lived in Haiti, um, there was a, a term called, um, it was a potomitan and potomitan is central pillar. And I find that women are the central pillars of, of their families. And when they start making changes, they are able to help affect, help affect change in their families and in their communities and beyond. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Wonderful. Yeah, this has been great. This is, this is exactly the kind of stuff that, you know, I yeah. come to work for, um, right. Really, these real discussions about how we, you know, get get better and do better, and so we can be better and feel better, and we can well, you know, become contagious. <laughs> absolutely, and that's a key piece. Is you know, I want to be a woman that that creates the space for these conversations to happen. Right. And that's you know, when I when I do networking events, when I speak, you know, at events and educate people, I always say just just be a woman who will create a space for other women to speak. Right. You don't have to go on a podcast. You don't have to sing from the mountains. Just talk in your living room. Just create yes. a space where women can have 
conversations where they're not being shamed and they're not being judged and nothing is gross. You can just mm-hmm. have these conversations because if you are experiencing an issue, there's a handful of women around you probably experiencing the same thing. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, it's a guarantee. It's a guarantee. And there's a lot of shame in some of the, these discussions because they've been the, the conversation itself or the topic itself has been so, so much shame has been brought around it, whether it be sexual dysfunction or fertility or just any aspect where it's like, there's something wrong with you. Right. Nobody wants to talk about it because it's embarrassing. Am I less of a woman? It makes women question their womanhood, mm-hmm. um, breast cancer, things that are like really, really integral to the development and the growth of a woman throughout her life cycle these very, very crucial topics are often in the shadows um, and people are embarrassed to talk about them. But at the same time, more light for that very reason, more light needs to be shed upon them so that we can get that accurate information out there so that you can see that there's alternatives um, and there's synergy in making sure that you have good practitioners who will see you as a whole person, as a whole woman and not merely your symptom and as a symptom to go um, eliminate, but a symptom to examine closely so it can be addressed and then the appropriate healing can ensue. Right. Definitely. So I'm actually kind of interested in a little bit more of your personal journey because I was wondering, did you, were you an OBGYN first and then took the more natural classes or how did that work? Um, When I was in, I first thought I wanted to be I thought I wanted to be a pediatrician. I always knew I wanted to be a doctor. Um, and when I got to school, I went through my peds rotation and I was like, mm, I like the kids, but I don't like their parents. And I was like, this probably is not going to be um, have long term uh, prospects for me because I don't think it's going to work out. Um, I never thought I wanted to look at vaginas all day. So ob was never anything that I thought I could make a career out of. However, I was a doula um, of labor, okay. uh, labor doula. I have experience there and I really enjoyed that. My family was pretty much a group of strong women who really, really ex- helped me to explore womanhood from just a very ritualistic and ceremonial aspect, what womanhood meant. So I was always interested in it, but I never thought it was something that I wanted to do as a career. Um, So when I did get to my OB-GYN rotation, I started with OB and it was just, it was beautiful. Um, And I realized there's more to women's health than pregnancies and vaginas. Like there's just so much space for education and, and coupled with the clinical work. And there were so many things that I had been exposed to prior to my clinical years that I realized like that doesn't happen here. Um, and I always felt that something was missing. I felt that I was, it was incomplete as a clinician, as a provider, as a practitioner. I just felt that there was more. And in the settings and how our healthcare system is set up, I just felt like I never had time to really get to the core of what was going on, the underlying condition, the emotional components. And there was just never enough time And so um, I lived in Cuba for six years and Haiti for two, and I got a whole new appreciation for 
what integrative health really looks like, um, what the system actually can be and how health can really, what it can really be for the patient and the practitioner alike. And it's, and it was mind blowing to me. And it was one of those opportunities where I felt, okay, I can do this. This is what I, this is what I envisioned medicine to be. This is what I envisioned healthcare to be like. And when I came back here, it was like, okay, I'm going to like integrate my practice and I'm going to bring these types of conversations and these types of modalities um, into my own practice. And there's just no space. It was literally trying to put a square peg in a circle hole. And no matter how hard I tried, it was just a one brick wall after the next to the point that it was like, this is becoming more frustrating because I do know there's something different out there. And I know that it can benefit patients because I was a patient in an integrative health system. And I could see how different things were for myself. Um, and I wanted to share that and that experience with my patients um, because I knew it was a possibility, um, but it wasn't a possibility in the healthcare system that, you know, that I was you know, taking part in as a, as a practitioner. And so I started, you know, looking around and trying to figure out who is, who is doing the work that I believed that I wanted to do. And there really wasn't anyone. There were, <laughs> there, yeah, there were people who were doing things and I'm like, yeah, that's great work. I mean, we should, you should be doing that. That's great. Like vaginal steaming. There were doulas who were, you know, birth educators who were really getting into how to prepare for labor so that you can have the ideal labor and delivery that works for you. Um, there was massage therapists who were focusing on the pelvis and prenatal work, but there was, everyone was kind of operating in a silo and no, everyone was either referring out or people that they worked with individually, but there was no cohesive place where a woman could step in and know that one, everybody on that team has a philosophy that is going to be focused on her as a whole person. And there wouldn't be you know, that process of having to explain your story seven, eight, nine times to several different practitioners, right. because sometimes that can be exhausting. Sometimes that can be traumatic if you have yeah. to keep reliving the Absolutely. same story of how you got here. And then when you entail like all the practitioners that one has to go through and you're still not getting any better. Um, so I knew like, okay, I knew that I had to do more. So that's when I got my uh, acupuncture license and I got, became a clinical herbalist at the same time. And that's when I realized like, this is, I'm the change that I want to see. This is how I want medicine to look like. This is what I wanted medicine. I thought medicine was going to look like when I became a practitioner myself. And when I, there was one woman in California when I was on my search for trying to figure out how do I make this happen? Because it's not going to happen in this setting and she was pretty much at the end of her career. And she said it was just so hard, even in California, to get buy-in. And she said it was on like kind of as she was kind of putting it together, she was just exhausted. She's like, I'm at the end of my career and I just don't have any time or space. And so we swapped notes and we talked and she was she was doing the thing that I wanted to do and who I wanted to be but it was, she was at the end of her career and she's like, I don't, this is all I can give you. And so it gave me hope that, okay, I'm not completely off base. This isn't a wild and crazy idea, but again, how am I going to, you know, how am I going to do this? And then I just started kind of like, okay, this is what you want it to look like. I put pencil to paper. I wrote my business plan. 
And the next thing I knew, like I, there was a center and we've been growing ever since and really seeing the change that we'd like to see in terms of not just the um, access to care, but to the results and the therapeutic healing that is transpiring because we're able to one, take the time to come at and approach health conditions from the different angles, but the same body. And again, using natural herb herbs. I'm a raw herb. I prescribe raw herbs, um, everything from tinctures and essential oils and all these things that have been designed for health and healing and wellness, but that aren't being utilized to their maximum potential. And when you have three or four or five or, you know, six potentially practitioners working on one person from their lane of expertise, from their subject matter expertise, we're all working for the benefit of one person in conjunction from coming from a place of just really desiring the best and using our expertise to affect change. Not only is it synergistic, but you can see the transformation happen over almost overnight. Um, Patients have always said like, I've been working on this for years. I've seen seven or eight doctors and nobody has ever said anything to me about X, Y, Z. Nobody's ever even mentioned that this was a problem. How did I, how would I even know? I didn't know that, you know, this was X, Y, Z, or just all these, or I wish I had known this when I was 15, or I wish I would have known this when I was 20. Why didn't anybody tell me that? I've gone to six doctors or I've gone to seven, seven different, you know, other healthcare professionals. And not one of them told me that this could have possibly been, you know, part of my challenge or part of my condition. And part of that is frustrating because it's like seven practitioners didn't even mention this at all. Right. Um, we have fertility um, patients who are experiencing fertility challenges who have never been told that <laughs> you need to be having sexual intercourse when you're ovulating. Um, and like making sure that like to me, that is something, one of the most basic things to, if you're trying to get pregnant and if you're having sex at the at proper time, Um, but not like basic education, I think has been omitted. And now as a part of this team, we're able to one, all speak the same language because we're all coming from a place of wanting that healing, that transformation aspect to happen in every patient encounter, every client encounter, and being able to do that on so many different levels and that continuity of care. And I've just been, astounded, sometimes mind blown of my own experiences with what we're seeing in our, in our spaces. And I just think it's been such a beautiful opportunity to not just work, but to feel like I'm contributing to the betterment of not just women's health, but also to the lives of the patients and clients that cross our threshold. Yeah, no, that's really beautiful. That's really beautiful. And it, like I said before, it's so nice when you can just go to one place and you can get yeah. so much wisdom just from one place. So yes. you don't have to take the time and spend the money to go to seven different places. <laughs> yeah. And the other thing too, I think is really important is encouraging girls and young women to go into women's health care. Yes. Because I'm sorry, <laughs> but there's, I mean, there's, there's a certain, they can, 
men can be tremendously amazing and wonderful, mm-hmm. but there is absolutely a total difference when you are a woman who's actually experienced these things that mm-hmm. you're now sharing, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I, and I, I believe that that was one of my things when I was younger, when I, my first trip to the gynecologist, my mom was like, okay, it's, it's time. And I was like, okay, you know, I knew what that meant. And she, her gynecologist was a man and she was assumed that I was just going to go to her gynecologist, but I was like, I'm not going to a, a male gynecologist. So I was like, that's, it's ridiculous. <laughs> I'm not doing that. Right. Um, and then I was like, and I wanted to see, I, I had a preference. I wanted to see a, a black woman. I wanted to yeah. see um, someone who was younger. And even then I was like, I'm not going to go until we can like, at least I can see a woman like that's about it. And it took a long time for, you know, us to like find someone who either had openings or had availability who I felt comfortable with. Um, because it was like, I don't, this is my first time going to being exploring my nether regions, my, you know, personal area, um, in an intimate nature outside, you know, my mom, because my, my mom was like the only person who had, you know, we talked about good touch, bad touch. And she was the only one up to that point who I had, you know, allowed into, you know, that space. And it was one of those things, like, I don't feel like, I know I don't think, think I could have felt comfortable with a man um, in, in a way that I definitely felt comfortable with my um, first practitioner. She was amazing. And I, ever since I was like that, this is the kind of relationship I think every woman should have with someone who's going to be interfacing with you and having appointments that are of such an intimate nature you have to there has to be a level of trust and rapport um because this is your your vaginal health your womb health this is a sacred space and it's important that you know your practitioner treats it as such as well absolutely i agree 100 percent. yeah so how can the listeners get a hold of you Okay, let's see. Um, social media and our website are probably the, the easiest ways. Um, our website is www.larinawhite.com and that's L-A-U-R-E-N-A white.com, my first and last name. Um, on social media, um, Facebook, we are the Ebdemonia Center and Ebdemonia is E-U-D-A-I-M-O-N-I-A Center. And on Twitter, I think it is Evdemonism and it's EU underscore D-A-I-S-M. Uh, no, E-U underscore D-A-I-M-O-N-I-S-M. And that's on Twitter and on Instagram. We're just the Evdemonia Center straight out. Um, and so, yeah, I think those are all the places, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter and our website. And all of these links are going to be in the show notes, folks. So you'll be able to contact her. Perfect. And then didn't you mention a book too? Yes, absolutely. Um, I, in September, um, wrote my first book and I'm working on the second, but the first one is the, a natural pregnancy book. Um, 
I usually, I don't like the term natural pregnancy because pregnancy in and of itself is a natural process. And my publishers and editors, they were like, well, that's what people can identify with. Um, when you, when you write the book, you know, elucidate that and distill it down. And so, um, pregnancy is a natural process. And when people say natural pregnancy, they really mean unmedicated or, um, intervention free. Um, but I, use that title because again, it was something that had, I guess, familiarity with sure. an unmedicated un, um, intervention-free pregnancy probably wouldn't have been as catchy. In terms oh, of right. the title. <laughs> um, so I kind of went along with it, but um, it really just talks about the book is about, you know, everything up to uh, starting from preconception care. Um, you're thinking about getting pregnant. What do you need to do in order to make sure your body is re ready for pregnancy? And then that nine and a half, to 10 months of being pregnant. And then what does postpartum look like? What are all the decisions that need to be made with your providers, how you want your pregnancy to be, your birth plan, your diet, your nutrition? Um, what do your symptoms mean? pre-pregnancy, post-pregnancy? Are you having fertility challenges? Um, those are all things that are addressed in the book um, all the way, from, again, from preconception all the way through postpartum. Awesome. That's yes. amazing. And it's available on Amazon. Um, and if I think if you either search for natural pregnancy or my name, either one, you'll be able to find it on Amazon. Wonderful. And again, absolutely, you know, the title and everything will be in the show notes. Absolutely. Thank you so much for being here with us today. I don't know if there's any last minute or anything you want to leave the listeners with. Um, just in general, pay attention to your symptoms. Don't ignore them and really, really be mindful of who is who you're surrounding yourself with. And if you don't feel like you're getting adequate attention or that you're being seen as a whole being, it might be time to look somewhere else and but take, take charge of your health and you can make a change and it doesn't have to be um, something that is invasive, but also um, an integrative approach to your care has synergistic benefits. So um, just make sure you have the, a good team of practitioners that are um, on your team and on your side and will help you achieve your optimal health, wellness and healing. Absolutely. Thanks again so much for being with us today. We appreciate it. Thank you for the invitation, Amy. I appreciate it as well. Thank you for joining me today on Women's Pelvis Wellness, where you can be heard. Because remember, if you're not being heard, you're not being helped. Please join my Facebook group by the same name, Women's Pelvis Wellness, and join a community of women who are there for you to support you, guide you, and love you through your pelvic health struggles. Also, this is a great place to check out my new class schedule. Thank you for joining me in becoming a pelvis wellness warrior.